I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. I don't know how many times I've said that. I think sometimes I forget my own name. Not really. I'm very privileged to be a part of your lives. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for telling others about Modern Homemakers. I just had a couple of emails recently and said, I have two new buddies who are living here and they want to know how to blah, blah. And so they're all listening together and I love that. My lifelong friend, second grade, my friend Susan, who lives in two different states at different times of the seasons in America, um, is listening to me. And I can't tell you how many times I want to say, hi, Susan, but today I did. So thank you, all of you who take time. We've been talking about these last statements, the last words. Um, some churches call them the stations of the cross because they've set up a cross with those words for you to stand by the cross and ponder what it might look like. I'm a very visual person. I've never been very good at standing in front of a wooden cross with a crucifix on it um, and ponder. But I'm very good at looking at these words repeatedly for a long period of time and trying to figure out what the focus was and um, reading a lot of those who have gone before me and have spent their life ambitions, their life study, their life habits to discover the fullness of these remarks. So today we look at the third statement from the cross, and that is, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. I'm a mother. A lot of you are mothers. Um, Mary, did you know at Christmas time, does it make you break and cry every time you hear it? Mary, did you know that this babe would become the God and be killed before your very eyes? I don't know. We have a choice. Mary had a choice, but she said, behold, I am the handmaiden. Take me and do what you can and with me. And she suffered tremendously. And now she is watching him be crucified. It does leave me absolutely without words. I, I, there's no way that in my little heart I could comprehend my standing at the foot of two pieces of wood. And if you have the book, The Three Trees, that you often read at Christmas time because it's a tree, pull it out and read it to the children this Holy Week, this week of weeks, because the tree came, came from... Uh, the story comes from that one of those trees who wanted to stand at the mountain and give glory to God turned out to be the tree they used to build the cross. So we're in John this time, John chapter 19, verse 25, 26, and 27. John. And this is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, 
his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, three mothers. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here's your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own house. My husband and I have this joke that goes on between us for decades now because I want him to listen to all the skinny details. I don't mean some of the details. I mean all of the details. And if you've been hanging around Modern Homemakers, you know that I can bunny trail off to five different things. He always says, I don't know how you're going to get back there, but you always do. I do get back there. But I want to tell all the details. And he wants me to get to what he's called the bottom line, but I didn't like the bottom line. I didn't like that phrase, and I started calling it the headliner. The headliner. Okay, I know you want the headliner, but I want to give you the details. And then I would say to him, if I give you the headliner, will you listen to the details? Like I was making a bargain with him. And one day, a long time ago, he started to laugh. He just started to laugh and would not stop laughing. And I didn't know what he was laughing about. And he said, honey, do you know what a headliner is? I said, well, yeah, that's like the person at the circus, you know, whoever's, no, he said, a headliner is that thing they put in the top of your car or your truck inside. That's the headliner. And I said, oh, I don't want to give you a headliner then. I want to tell you that's what this is. The headliner of this account is that Jesus is my shepherd and he cares for me. Jesus is your shepherd and he cares for you. When you open up the envelope from school and it has your children's classroom picture in it, what child do you look at first? Your own. Your own, of course. And in this part of this movie that we're watching, this movie um, about the life of Christ, and we've seen it portrayed in movie and TV shows, God goes through John and takes his time and unfolds into this narrative, and he talks about a son's humanity. He talks about a child's responsibility. He talks about the very words the Old Covenant and the New Covenant speak of, in honor your mother and honor your father. They are scenes in a play that have deep meaning. Jesus, my shepherd, he is the shepherd, even on the cross, Jesus is the shepherd who cares for me, who cares for me. The soldiers were there. The noisiness, the criminals who the last statement, one of the criminals speaks to Christ. But this is dark Friday. This is at the very nearing end of what is going on in the life of Christ as he's being crucified. And these four people are identified by name standing near the cross. And Jesus has not gone to his father yet, but he is still standing there in this crucified position and thinking of others, caring for others. And in this case, he, he's, he has this uh, ability to give to us an example of a friend calling a friend, a brother calling a brother, 
Jesus calling his brother John saying, look here. Do you see what's going on? If you don't know what's going on, let me remind you that my mother is about to lose her son and won't have a place to go. I want you to take care of her. You're, you're, you're going to take her into your home and take care of her because I'm not here anymore. I'm not going to be here anymore. He models this care. One, he models the relationship that he built with John. He's, this passage uses the word uh, standing is the disciple whom he loved, whom he loves. The disciple whom he loved is standing beside her. Does that mean he didn't love the other disciples? I don't think that means that. I think like in all of us, there are some people who are closer to us and other people who are not so close to us. Just today, I was at the eye doctor, and one of my dearest friends in the world, we both go to the same eye doctor, and she came in and started laughing, and she was laughing so hard because she had lost her glasses and hadn't told me she lost her glasses because we'd been talking about, oh, it seems like with all the pandemic and all the movement and stuff being here and there, and now we have a phone and glasses and wallets and purses and so many things to carry around, and we're losing things. I said, well, I haven't lost too many things. Well, she lost her glass. Hadn't told me that. We, she came in laughing. I was laughing. We hugged each other, kissed each other, held each other's hands. We both have had what we call our double shots. And our optometrist, who's a young man who loves both of us, he came out and he said, listen, I'm going to have to arrest you. You're, you're touching in public. We need social distancing. And we laughed and laughed. And I thought, this is a friend who I know very well. I know very well she wasn't going to tell me she lost her sunglasses and she got caught in the eye doctor's office. This is John and Jesus who they know each other very well. He has identified all of these people who are standing there. And now he is telling us that Jesus is modeling for us the care and love for others. He's not consumed in his own pain. He's not consumed in saving humanity. He's very aware of his own mission. He's very aware of the women who are standing there. And he identifies Mary. He calls her by name. He speaks to her in front of whoever is in with distance of hearing him. And he says to her, not only his mother, but a follower of Christ. And then he provides for her. I don't know if Mary's thinking about herself. I can't imagine that she is. She's, she's feeling the suffering in herself. But he's providing for her, as he has provided for the other Marys who are also at the cross, as he has provided for us. Because the message of this statement is that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd who cares for me and provides for me. And he says to John, this is your mother. And the honoring mantle passes from Jesus to John. Jesus, the Jewish Savior, who knows the commandments, who knows that honor thy mother and father, for it will go well with you. It is the first commandment with a promise. His honor for his father God is being understood and fulfilled, and his honor for his mother is being fulfilled. May I remind everyone who is listening that this is a responsibility of each of us. Your parent may be the most difficult parent in the world. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And there may be all sorts of things you have to do to safeguard your family from the difficulties of a parent. 
but God has called you to this honor. And I recently was reading something that touched me very deeply, and that was the fact that this honor has something to do with DNA. And think about when you look at your parent, like them or not like them, they be despicable or not despicable, they be so different from you as night is from day. In that human being you are looking at is the DNA that courses through your very own body and through the bodies of your children, if you have children, their grandchildren. That is what we are honoring. We're honoring that relational peace that God put in place. And he's honoring his mother there in public. I think it's a tremendous message um, of Christ and Christ's life here on earth. He's also talking about the responsibility for mankind, that he has room to remind us that he cares for us. In the midst of his own pain and his own suffering, he cares for us. Why were Mary and his mother and John there at the cross? Because they loved and believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that he was the provision. These three women are faithful. Simply being present showed their faithfulness. Reminds us again of Christ's awareness even in the suffering at the end of the cross. Now these four people at the cross are with him. They stick with Jesus. There are a lot of the disciples who ran. They scattered out. They're everywhere. But these stay and abide. They are four who Christ has said come. And they did come. And they stayed. I've been talking about staying in a leaving culture. This is a perfect portrait of people who stayed to the end. You know they were jiding him. You know the pain. If you are a mother, if you are a friend, if you are a sister, if you are a daughter of what must have been going on in Mary, the mother of Christ. The women and one disciple. Where are the other disciples? Well, we don't know exactly where they are. We hear some stories. Why were three of these women, I don't know, a lot of times we talk about the will of a woman and her persevering nature and her ability to go through childbearing, which is a pain like no man can ever understand. And maybe that's why those mothers were there, those women were there and not the men. Family is a very dicey thing. And Jesus is creating a new family from the cross. And I believe that new families are an important part of the evolution of our lives and our faith. And I want to encourage you to consider uh, what a new family might look like. Are you in a place where you have a niece or a nephew? Or you've met someone, as some close friends of ours did now 30 plus years ago, who was on the streets and living on the roof of a house, and they took him in. And they took him in, and he has been in and out of their house for 30 years. He is finally, after the last seven or eight years, he's clean from drugs, he has tattoos every corner of his body, but he has a job, he has surrendered to Christ, and he is working at creating new practices to create a new life. Is that a new family? It is a new family. They don't have to be born biologically to you to become a part of your family. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples, he saw in his own humanity, not an observation, but the reality of what caring looks like. And out of his deep love, he provides for his mother. 
As a son would deeply love his mother, he does not speak to the other women. The medical effect of the crucifixion is suffocation. So he's losing his air. And with such scarcity, Jesus remembers the most important thing he needs to do and to stay say in these statements. He does not say mother or Mary, but as a rabbi would say, he is giving direction. He says to his mother, woman, as he did at the wedding. Remember the wedding in Canaan? He says, woman. And we often look like, oh, that sounds sort of rude and crass. But that woman was a follower of God. And for that moment, John takes her into his home, literally for the rest of her life. He takes her and cares for her. Regardless of the circumstances, we look for and listen to his voice because he is the provision. And sometimes he wants to make us a part of his provision. John became, John became a disciple, a follower of Christ, a loved one of Christ, and in the end fulfilled the provision of taking care of Jesus' mother Mary. As his death is getting closer, he, we see how all things are changing. And if the camera is looking, it's now not looking at all of the crosses. It's just looking at this one cross. And it focuses on deeply on what is happening between these two. Can you just imagine the scene at Calvary, the two of them standing there watching someone they love so greatly, someone they have come to call Lord and Master and Messiah, die this mean and cruel death of crucifixion. They don't pause for a moment and say, oh no, I can't live with him. He he doesn't have a place for me or make an excuse or a reason why he should not be the one. And John doesn't say, I don't have room for her. What will I do? You know, I don't have a job. No, he says yes. And she says yes. And they go off from that day on literally to be a family. I want you to remember that Jesus is your shepherd. He cares for you. He is the great shepherd that cares for us. And how he chooses to provide for you must be something you trust in him for. I know we live in a great big wide world, Western civilized world, American world, where we are great providers. We work hard. We perform. We get more. We, we see what the bottom line looks like and what the last statement on the bank account looks like and what we hope to do in our lifetime. And all of those things are good things as long as they are not taken out of context that Christ is your provider. He will provide for you may not look the way you thought it would look. But here he shows his shepherd-like quality. He shows his community with John. John was a member of his community. Do you have a community? Do you have a brother, a sister, biological or spiritual, who you could say, here is my mother, and know that they would do that for you? I hope so. I pray so. I pray that as we proceed into these last statements from the cross, that you will take this time in this week of weeks to pause and reflect daily about what was going on in Christ's life on Sunday, Palm Sunday, and Monday, and Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday when he watched the disciples' feet, and Friday, and the court holdings and proceedings. 
Look at them afresh. Look at them anew. And look at them with the idea that Jesus Christ is the provider. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. And remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of receiving his provision.